walk in with this, but you got to know also it's an opportunity to uh, speak and to share and to walk in with this. But you got to know also I'm a I'm a sinner, and uh, I have wrong thoughts, I have wrong actions, I treat people wrongly, and that's that the Lord forgives, and we don't have to be perfect, and that's really going to be the focus of my sermon today is focused on this idea that we can have this victory through weakness. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, it's such a great passage. It's so rich, so beautiful. We admire a lot of the life, don't we? We, we applaud them, we follow them, and... Uh, there's a term called goat, greatest of all time. Like, who's the goat in this? Einstein, of course. Uh, Billy Graham, one of the greatest uh, leaders, just turned 99, by the way, uh, still living in North Carolina. Uh, and they just did a, there was a video. He just produced a video where it's showing him as an older man uh, there in his cabin in North Carolina. But then they, they flash into these different places where he's, he's, he doesn't even sound like the same man any, any longer. But uh, God has had his hand upon Billy Graham, one of the greatest of all time Christian leaders. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Michael Jordan there with the six rings, uh, still like is LeBron James, is it Michael Jordan? He's got six rings. So uh, do the math right there. And then, of course, in the middle, right, the king. Uh, he's still alive, I'm told. Uh, <laughs> Still just wandering the streets of Memphis, uh, I think, is what's taking place. The greatest of all time. So what, where do you match up with the greatest of all time? And it can be, like I'm from Nashville, and we're, we're there, and it's Music City, right? That's what they call it, Music City. Uh, there's, a, there's a bowl game, college football bowl game, right? Pause for prayer. There's a bowl game, and it's called the Music City Bowl. And um, that's what it is. It's right there in Nashville, right town there. I think it's got two really terrible teams going to be playing this year, but it's, it happens right there. It's Music City, right? And so Johnny Cash Museum is there. You know, Loretta Lynn is now on display in this museum. Uh, and of course, there's the greatest of all time. Taylor Swift. Um, so you, we have all kinds of opportunities. They, they wander. People say, do you, do you get to see the stars? I go, yeah, at night, I just look up, and there, there they are all the time. And he goes, no, we like the real stars. And I go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The real stars are still there. I'm not enamored by the greatest of all time. I guess that's why I fit okay. It's in Nashville. It's like, they do, like, meh, whatever. Um, and that doesn't, doesn't bother me. But how do you match up? How do you match up with the greatest of all time? You're like, uh, they're really not very good at all. Well, we have a lot of, there's a lot of wannabe musicians in Nashville that are waitresses and waiters. You know, they're in the food industry. That's really, food industry is a big deal because there's a demand uh, for these wannabe. And they don't make it. Where do they match up? Where do you match up? The beauty is, you don't have to. You do not have to. The celebrity Christian uh, the ideas that uh, Jared was mentioning even earlier, say that celebrity Christian, that celebrity leader, the celebrity pastor, is not found in the Bible. We, here's the deal. We don't have to be special or extraordinary because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. And that's what we're looking at. So 
Turn in 2 Corinthians 4. Let's look at them. Just one verse in 7. We'll look at some other ones, but really the focal point is going to be this one verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I think I have it printed. Yes, I do. Printed it for you. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. There's victory through weakness. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And really, victory and success is counterintuitive. I mean, we think of, we think of this next slide. We think of victory through and uh, the, the, the size. I didn't realize that the size would be different, but so if it's messed up, it's because I didn't put it the right size. Victory through greatness, victory through brilliance, victory through beauty. That's what we think happens. Like, oh, I can't, I can't be great. I can't, because I'm not beautiful, I'm not brilliant, I'm not talented, I'm like, whatever. I met, I met a guy, I was getting gas, and he just started talking to me um, somewhere between Nashville and here. And uh, he asked me, so why are you approaching me? I said, I'm not, I'm getting gas. I'm here, this, where's your car? He's just walking around. Anyway, he told me, he says, I have no skills <laughs> whatsoever. And I go, that's awesome. And he looked at me like I'm stupid, and he walked off. But that's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome that we don't. We don't have to have the skills. We get it wrong. Like, if you have skills, can you play? I can't play. I, I can find middle C, and that's about it. And I'm proud of that, by the way. And, and that's it. I, I can't do music. I can't play. This guy playing banjo. Like, what? That's crazy to be able to think that. There I'm in Music City, right? So I'm really the oddball out. Who's your favorite musician? I, I couldn't even name three or four except... Taylor Swift. Um, so that's that's about it. And you're just like, nothing's taking place. Well, I don't have any skills. I don't have it. The Lord can use that. That's what 2 Corinthians 4, 7 is. This is my sermon in one paragraph. The extraordinary power of God resides in weak vessels. Ah, I may, I may qualify. Keep going. We're not expected to be extraordinary good because I'm not. We are clay pots that are fragile. God's power is extraordinary. That's, okay, we can be dismissed. That's it. That's the sermon. Three points that I want to look at, though, because they get paid by the hour. <laughs> and it won't be an hour. The treasure, jars of clay, and the gospel contrast. So the treasure is this. It's the gospel. So look in verses, you know, 2, chapter 4, verse, verse 3, verse, excuse me. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. When someone possesses the gospel, it becomes theirs, and there's no longer perishing takes place, but eternal life is happening. Verse 4. In their case, that is the person who's veiled from seeing the gospel, the God of this age, Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. Notice that Satan cannot dismiss the light of the gospel. He doesn't extract the light of the gospel. He doesn't diminish. He doesn't darken it. He can only blind the eyes of others. He doesn't remove the light he blinds other people from seeing the light that is. 
This light is truth. This light is the gospel. This light is Jesus Christ. And he can only blind the eyes. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. It comes out of the darkness comes light. Remember, the face of the earth was dark. And the Lord said what? Let there be light. And Christ is that light that shines in our life. And it shines out of darkness. It shines out of our life, even though we are not the brilliant light. We're not the superstar. We're not the talented. We're not the one with skills. We are nothing. We're clay pots. He is the light. He is the treasure. That good news, the gospel, is the treasure. And it's a precious treasure contained in a worthless container. There's a worthless container. Okay? It's worthless. It's like having your grandmother's who's passed away her wedding ring that was precious to her and she was married for 65 years and she wore that one ring that they sacrificed to get and it's it, maybe it's not worth a lot but it's worth a lot to you and you keep it in a Tupperware container or some cardboard box somewhere what's valuable the box or the Tupperware container I hope there aren't any Tupperware uh, people here <laughs> that would be offended but uh, it's they're not that expensive. They're replaceable. They're not unique. Nor is a cardboard box. But the treasure is precious. We've been entrusted the treasure of the gospel and we hold it in safekeeping. Now, this is present tense. Okay? It's present tense. We have this treasure. We currently have this treasure and the word is we will continue, ongoingly, continually have this treasure. We have the treasure of the good news of Jesus Christ, this good news that Christ came to save sinners, of which I am chief, Paul said. That Christ came, co-creator of the world. He left his abode in heaven. And he came here as a human being, started as a baby, which we are looking at the Advent season begins today. And this Christ child came in the form of a human being and lived and lived a perfect life, and then suffered on our behalf and died, and God raised him from the dead. And one day that Christ will come back. As J.R. Packer says, there's the cradle, the cross, and the crown. And that's the whole picture of Christ's advent and his second advent, his return once again, that he'll come and we're praying for that second advent, that return of the Christ, that appearing of Christ to come to be with us. So we have this good news, this treasure. And the job of Satan is to blind our eyes. And he blinds the unbelievers, but he also blinds our eyes, temporarily covering that up, temporarily forgetting that this is a treasure. Because we begin to treasure, oh, if I had this possession. Uh, I sold my Ford F-150, 4x4, nice cover on the back. It's even carpeted underneath and like I'm just going overboard, right? Uh, had, had little step things, it's chrome, it's just beautiful. I sold it and bought a Mini Cooper, like a 2006 Mini Cooper for $4,000. And 
that's what I drive. And my wife says, you should get, you should get a Ford F-150. Get the new 2018. I go, okay, come with me. Let's just get online and look at this. This is what I'd want. Ching, 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 ching. It'll cost $646 a month for five years to have that thing. That's when you go, that's blinded by Satan. Like, is that going to make me happy? No, my little Mini Cooper makes me happy. Um, there's, there's holes at the bottom where I can go like this. Like, it's Fred Flintstone. I do fit in it, but it's a Fred Flintstone car for sure. Some of you don't know what that is. But it, it's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm driving. Because I'm not happy. It's, things can't make us happy. Oh, if I, if I was in a relationship, if I had this job, if I had this house, I would be so happy. My wife has pulled that one on me. I'd be so happy in this place. Like, you're not happy in this place. You're not going to be happy over here either. I don't, she's not, she's happy girl. But that's, that's us. Satan blinds our minds to help us. We forget what's taking place. And it, it may be, it may be a good thing. So it's not like a bad thing. Like driving a Ford truck is probably a good thing. I'm just declaring it is a good thing, okay? But it's not the thing. So it isn't like, oh, we're off doing some sin. It's like we're seeing this treasure as something else other than the person and work of Jesus Christ and the one who loves us and the one who is the beloved and the one who chose us and the one who sees us as his bride coming down the aisle in the disheveled gown, stains on it, veil is torn, hairs off to the side, disheveled, looking. There's eye running down her face, her mascaras pulling, her, her flowers are wilting, and she's coming down the aisle, and the bridegroom Jesus is saying, there's my bride, there's my bride, she's mine. And the washing of the water by the word makes her beautiful. So he chooses us. Even in our status of, that's the treasure that he's chosen to give us that freedom. So that's the treasure. Understand, it is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this verse said that the treasure is found in jars of clay. And we don't, I don't know what a jar of clay is necessarily. This treasure is kept in the most common container. A jar of clay is a common container. It's frail, it's easily broken, it's discardable. It's, it's, they find these all over the, the Holy Land. You can find charts laying around. Like they just like, eh, it broke, whatever. And we go like, let's go look for just pieces of a jar and it's something we can bring back. And they're going like, why are you taking the rubbish? Why are you taking the trash back home? Go for it. There's a whole pile of this stuff laying all over because they were discardable. It wasn't important. It wasn't anything at all. It can be likened unto a takeout container. It's just a takeout container. So we have this treasure in a takeout container. Now I brought you all takeout containers. And if you want to play along, um, we have some for you and just give those to several people, those guys right there. They stand ready to hand these out if you'd like. There's all kinds of them. I have Chick-fil-A, I have McDonald's, I have... None from Cupboard, but it's... Uh, but all the rest. So take, take one if you want to play along and do this. They're cheap, 
There's nothing to them. Like, how many people have these sitting on your, your on display somewhere? It just sits there beautifully. Do you put that like there's a there's the nativity scene and there's the McDonald's bag, right? Is that what takes place? Do you have it? Nobody has these, right? Where are they? Well, you're supposed to, I'm told, reuse and recycle. That's what it says right on the bag to reuse and recycle these bags somehow. And I, I don't know what's what we do, but we normally what throw them away somewhere, right? And they just they don't mean anything to us. They're nothing. Neither were these jars of clay. What's important? Well, so play along. Take take out something that's of value. Okay, your watch, your phone. Okay, your ring. Can't get mine off. Your wallet. Someone else's money. And then and then try to impress people with this. Look, isn't this beautiful? This is beautiful. Look at, look at my bag, everybody. Look, this is your bag. Isn't it awesome? Look at how beautiful this is. How many people are impressed? When does it become valuable? When it's torn open, emptied, and now becomes valuable. It's not about the bag. We are takeout bags. The treasure is within us. That treasure is within us. That's what's valuable, not ourselves. Yet what do we do? We spend time trying to market ourselves. We've been trying to show off. We've been trying to demonstrate who we are. This is what this is. And it's not about that at all. It's about what's inside the bag, these jars of clay. So we have this treasure, the gospel, in jars of clay. That's us. And we're all just like these takeout containers. All of us. So here's the, here's the good news. Ordinary, average people can proclaim loudly the good news of Jesus Christ when the treasure is seen and not the bag. We need to diminish ourselves and the value that we place on our paper bag and begin to focus on the real treasure, the good news, that which brings light to the rest of the world. So ordinary people, Jesus said in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4, for we are not proclaiming ourselves but, implied, we are proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves we're proclaiming as servants for Christ's sake. We are not going around bragging about, look at my bag, it's better than yours. You got a little cookie bag from Subway. This is happy meals come in this. Are you happy with that bag? I guess not. Because you have just one cookie, it's gone. Do you have anything left in? No, nothing left in. It's like we're going around showing off our bag and comparing our bag with other people. Go like, we have the perfect treasure. It's found in Jesus Christ. That's what's inside. That's what's of value. That's what's proclaimed. That's what comes out of our life. 
And the more we try to be glorious, the less glorious the treasure is. My mother-in-law used to wrap gifts. No, she used to wrap packages. Nothing inside. And she'd put them under the tree. And I never understood that. And they go like, these aren't to be touched. They're not to be open. They're just decoration. I go, they're stupid. Because <laughs> they're empty. There's nothing inside. By the way, I heard this trick. Do that. Wrap packages empty. Put them under your tree. And every time your kids whine or complain or disobey, grab one and throw it in the fireplace. <laughs> You can only do it during December, so that's free, okay? We're not proclaiming ourselves, but we're rather proclaiming ourselves as servants of Christ. He's the one we proclaim, not ourselves. The more we try to be glorious, the less will be seen as the value of what's in the really inside. And we're frail, we're broken. We're broken. We're like those clay pots that are just broken. Let's see the contrast thirdly then. The contrast of the gospel. So the treasure is the gospel. The jars of clay just house that really true treasure, the gospel. It just houses it. It's not to be seen. It's not to be evident. It's no more than those takeout containers. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, verse 7 says, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What's the purpose of this contrast? To show that the surpassing power of God belongs to him and not to us. We don't have to be powerful. We don't have to be great. We don't have to be skilled. We don't have to have abilities that are way beyond. It's the treasure. It's showing that we can't do this. The older I get, and I'm getting there, the older I get the more I understand, I can't do it all. You go like, it took you this long to figure that out? Yeah, okay, give me a break, okay. It's like, we can't do this. We can't accomplish that. There's things in our life that cannot be done on our own. We have to supply, it has to be provided by Christ. It's Him in our life. That's why I talked about prayer last time. It was like, we have to go to Him in prayer. And sometimes problems cause us to enter into this time of prayer. Problems that happen in our life. Challenges physically, emotionally, financially. All of a sudden we're the biggest prayer warriors because our bank account won't balance. Because we're short $1,000. Now we become this prayer warrior. Hey, fast with me. Like, Do you normally fast? No, only when my bank account is low. <laughs> right? And But ongoing, he's saying, you're weak. Own up to it. I'm powerful, and I love you. And we sing, he's our Abba Father. He's the daddy who's going to take care. He's the overwhelming power in our life. It's his power. We see his power, the contrast here. We see his power is seeing, go ahead, one more. Surpassing, it's far outreaching, it's incomparable, it belongs to God. It is not ours to have. That's his now let's compare with ourselves. Our weakness is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. My power, Christ says, is made perfect in weakness. 
The weaker that I am, the more it contrasts, and the greater that is. Now, he goes on and says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. How many of us are doing that? We're boasting of our weakness. So that, there's the purpose, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That means that the power of Christ doesn't rest upon me. I got this. I'm good. I can do it. All right, we're there. The power of Christ does not rest upon us when we depend on our own power. Next one, slide. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness. Now, I have a challenge with this one. I'm content with weakness. I put up with weakness. I, I accept it that I'm weak. Am I content? I'm not there. Am I content that I'm weak? Hey, it's like after a big meal, like in, you know, in America, it's usually every meal, but like Thanksgiving, go like, are you content? Like you had everything that you wanted, turkey and all the dressing. You had all, everything spread out, yams with the uh, marshmallow stuff on top of it. It's nasty crap. And that, <laughs> sorry, I didn't use the C word, but it's like, you're just awful. But you feel content. Like it's us, pecan pie. How do you say pecan? Pecan, pecan. It's yum. That's how you say it is yum. And we have this, I'm content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships. I'm content with persecutions. I'm content with calamities. This guy's a nutcase. For when I am weak, then am strong. I am strong. Do we live this? We're going like, here I come to save the day. I am, I'm, I'm a paper bag. I am awesome. Worship and adore me. I'm just a paper bag. Worthless. But I'm content because he uses all those things to show, to show his power that works in me. His extraordinary power that works in me. When I bought my wife's zirconium, I mean her diamond ring, <laughs> I went to the jeweler and he laid it out on a black uh, velvet head thing. And he put this thing, he, it was actually a, like a cardboard thing, he rolled out and it's all black on the inside and he placed the ring on there. And the reason he did that is so that the diamond would pop. It would be seen, it would seem that in the brilliance and the luster and all of the facets of it could be just seems like oh I love that ring it is so beautiful just I can see it now what if he had opened up this mat that was like all glittery and had all kinds of stuff on it and it was all glittery and it was all shining up and like he put that ring in there it's gone it'd be lost in the midst of it be lost but what's he want he wants a contrast he wants to say Jared, you're weak. And out of the darkness, the light will shine. Out of the black, 
out of the nothingness, out of the humility, out of the brown paper bag, the iPhone shines. In contrast, which would you like? Like, and that's where the gospel is. It's like, in contrast to our life, I'm not saying you live your life just like, I want to live dark and sinful so that Christ, that's not the point. The point is that we, we accept, we understand, we're content in our calamities and our weakness. Then I am strong because of him, because it's all about him. Spurgeon described Christians as an oyster shell while the gospel is the pearl found inside. Now, we, do women really wear pearls anymore? I don't know. I mean, there was a day, right? Um, I used to say my mom wore pearls when she did the laundry and cleaned the house. That's what she wore. She was the last of the pearl-wearing generation. But it becomes a beautiful, a beautiful piece of jewelry. But who wears oyster shells on their neck? I'm one of the only weirdos, right? I got angry. What is that? An oyster shell. Awesome. You're weird. I, you know, it's like that guy at the gas station, right? That's what's taking place. Like, why are we showing off? We're the oyster shell. It's the pearl that's of great price. It's the pearl that really is the value. Nobody cares about it. Nobody cares about the shell. They want the pearl. This victory is only won through weakness. It only comes through weakness. Are we content there? So we need to break the container. There's a story in Luke chapter 7 of this woman who was known to be sinful. She came from a sinful reputation. And she kind of discreetly walked into the house of Simon the Pharisee. And Jesus was there. And she came up to Jesus. And she broke the alabaster flask of ointment. Now, this flask was not something that your cousin gave you when you were in his wedding. That's not the kind of flask. But it was this stone-type container that had to be broken in order for the ointment to come and be released. And she took this alabaster flask and broke it. It was expensive ointment. It was perfume-like. It, and she anointed the feet of Jesus. And she poured it out there. And Simon the Pharisee went into chaos, right? He had some trouble with this whole process. The scandal of this could have been, here is this, it doesn't name her sin, but it could have been of sexual nature that she was that. And if we read Proverbs chapter 6, for instance, it's the perfume smell, the scent. She perfumes her bed to entice strangers to come and stay with her. That could be the scandal of this thing. This Simon the Pharisee knows this is a prostitute who's pouring out prostitution-like uh, products onto Jesus. But she's doing it in adoration of this Jesus Christ. And she's pouring out and she's crying and she's weeping. And Christ is receiving it as an ointment that's expensive. And Simon the Pharisee went into chaos mode. He's like, what? taking place. Why is this woman able to even touch the feet of Jesus, much less bring this ointment into this house, much less be in here and be doing this. Why is she using this? 
Why is she taking and spending this money on this case? We could be used to spend that money on the poor. The Pharisee that he was. And Jesus stopped and said, <coughs> pardon me. He began to share the gospel with Simon the Pharisee. Two people have owed two sums of money. One a great amount, one a small amount. And the owner says, you're forgiven. Which of these two folks do you think will be the most grateful? The one that was forgiven little or the one who was forgiven much? And Simon the Pharisee says, well, I assume the one that's forgiven much, that makes sense. And said, so has this woman been forgiven. And he forgave her of her sins and said, go in peace. The release of her, go in peace. And she, in order for her to demonstrate it had to be broken and spilled out. It had to be released. The ointment gave healing. And the stench of this Pharisee overcame the healing ointment that was rising to the nostrils of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus was that jar of clay. And Jesus is and was the ointment. For it says in Philippians chapter 2, Have this mind in, among yourselves. I mean, take upon this attitude. For instance, Jesus Christ was in the form of God. And he did not count equality with God a thing to be exploited or grasped or hung onto or used. But instead he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus came as a jar of clay. Not something to be adored. He had no appearance that people looked at. He didn't come, he came in the form of a human being. And it says he emptied himself. He did not come to be applauded. He was adored but he was not looking for adoration in and among himself. It was about the work that he was going to accomplish. Verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ emptied himself. Christ emptied himself and he gave of himself. And in this case, Christ was the ointment. He was what was released. He was the healing agent, the redemption that takes place through him. And we, as we take on human form, right? We all, all qualify. As we take on human form, we're to empty ourselves so that people will see the one that they're to bow to and it's not us. Oh, look at the great story. Oh, look at all they've done. I don't want to hear those stories. I want to hear the story of the one who brought the healing 
the one who broke himself, the one who emptied himself, the one who reached out his hands and willingly took our sin on himself. And it's us as human beings who empty ourselves so that they may fall at the knee and speak and proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Max Lucado talks about, in, in a book about humility, he talks about the moon does not have light. My 18-month-old grandson loves the moon. And we go outside and he says, moon, moon. And it's brightly shining up in the sky. Or is it? It has no light in itself. The moon has no light. All it does is it reflects the sun. Remember August 21 of this year? Right here, right through Carbondale, right through this area, you had 100% eclipse of the sun. What eclipsed the sun? The moon. And when the moon hit, and like it, was, it was bright, 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 25%, 50%, 75%, 90%, 98%, you could still see. And when it finally hit, click to 100%, you all saw this, right? In Nashville, it was the biggest city on that path. The biggest city along that path that got to see it was in Nashville. And the whole city shut down. It was like people took four-hour lunches. This is essentially what took place until this thing was done. And they had signs on the, on the electronic signs up there that's warning about this stuff and don't pull over to the side of the road and all that kind of, I mean, it was crazy that what took place. But what was beautiful about this thing, it went 98%, 99%, and it was still bright out. And then when it clicked, whoa, 100. You remember what happened? It was surreal. It was the darkness. The moon, which I thought shone brightly, in the sky was simply reflecting the sun. And that was proof when it covered, it was dark. And as soon as it moved away, brilliant light reappeared. We reflect the Son of God. Not to be corny, I'm not trying to, but we reflect the Son of God. We do not have light in and of ourselves. We reflect that Son of God. We do not possess the light. We reflect the light. And others are able to see and navigate on that basis. But it's going back to the source. We're just takeout containers for the glory of God. I guess that could be the sermon in the sentence. We're just takeout containers for the powerful glory of God of Christ who wants to accomplish great things through us but by presenting the gift, the treasure that is bound in this earthen vessel called a jar of clay. What's our response? Like this woman who broke open the ointment. Like Christ who allowed himself to be emptied. We empty ourselves and say, may the treasure really be seen and may I not be seen or even regarded and may I go on to the heap of the Holy Land tours to be what I've accomplished just goes find in the corner some heap somewhere some rubbish place is my life what really counts is 
those who found eternal life through Jesus Christ. All it counts. And that's why we can stand before him and say, for we have this treasure in jars of clay so that the power of God falls upon him and not us. So Father, thank you for your love to us, your kindness, your direction. And we pray, Father, that you will, in fact, be the one who we see and proclaim. We'll not try to proclaim ourselves. We'll not to show off. We are humble servants. We're just takeout containers for the glory of Christ. Remove from us pride. Remove from us the pining of accomplishment. Remove from us the the yearning for likes on our social media. Remove from us any adoration whatsoever. And may we come before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And may people pine after him and may we do that. Or we're just jars of clay. You're the treasure. Make yourself known. May your light shine out into this world, out of darkness, for your glory, your kingdom, and your accomplishment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.